right. Did you see those things? What the fuck was that? Those things are demons. They're scared of my... We're stuck in a closet. It's not a closet, it's a fucking pantry. I think the thing wanted to fuck me. We're on the ceiling! What the hell? Ew. No costume, no candy, motherfucker! Yes. We're the only thing standing between them and the end of the world. That's awesome. Come and get me, motherfuckers. I hit him to the theater and the usher nods me in. They know me here. I descend down the staircase behind the movie screen that only select people know about. The door at the bottom opens and I walk in. The sound of movie spoilers fill the air. The barkeep has my drink ready and motions me to the back. The rest of the crew are here already. This is my type of place and these are my type of people. Join me as we discuss the inner secrets of cinema. Have a seat in the spoiler room. And I, th- I think I, we are here. We are live. It is the spoiler room, folks. Once again, we are here. The night of the night ofs. Our second last episode. Last week, we had Night of the Demons 1988 as part of our Horror of 1988 uh, series. And yeah, more on that a little later at the close of the show uh, where I forgot to do something. But uh, in the audio version, you can hear uh, what we did, which was basically pick next month's uh, episode. And just a little bit of house cleaning, folks. You can catch what next month's theme is going to be as well as our schedule it is on Special Mark Productions' main page. It is also on the Special Mark Productions' Facebook page and uh, the Spoiler Room page as well. I think I've got it in all three spots. So check that out if you want to see what's coming and what the theme of next month is going to be, which I shall also reveal here later. But before we reveal ourselves there, we're revealing ourselves here. <laughs> <laughs> and, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, well, I got my pants on. Yeah, I I don't have pants on. Um, <laughs> they're shorts. They're shorts. Okay. Uh, yes, folks, joining us. We des- I decided that hey, we watched the other one last week, so why not do a comparison episode and look at the remake of Night of the Demons called Night of the Demons from 2009? And joining us tonight. We have with us a wonderful crew, the same crew that was there with us last week. First off, he is back with us, the guy who keeps coming back for more, uh, our friend, Mr. Ian Simmons. How you doing, Ian? I'm doing very, very well. I'm excited to talk about this movie because, as I shared last night, I watched half of it. And I was like, this is better than the original. <laughs> and then this morning, after I finished watching it, I was like, I have some things to talk about. <laughs> I was, wow. I was 
was laughing. I was laughing so hard when you messaged me this morning going, I have to seriously rethink my stance on this film. And I just chuckled. I'm like, yeah, okay. Because like, when you said you started enjoying it, I'm like, wait for it. So... <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't say anything. I appreciate I did. you letting me go I on just, the journey. I just wanted you to take that journey. And speaking of the journey, uh, she is back with us once again. So uh, happy to have her uh, perspective from the horror retrospective. It is none other than Kara. Hello, Kara. How are you? Uh, doing okay. I have no idea why my avatar didn't pop up but i'm all right oh, that, that, that's, that's quite all right that's all right uh you know uh we we know who you are and we've got your voice so uh, that is the important part so we can hear your opinions on night of the demons 2009 so yes folks welcome to the spoiler room pull up a chair grab your favorite drink and yes shameless plug i've got an adult capri sun well that's what i call it my wife she works at a winery and they've started doing wine pouches. This is the equivalent of one cup of wine. And it is a pouch with a cap that you can reseal and you can take anywhere with you during the summer. So I have the strawberry sunburst uh, wine. So it's an adult juice box, basically. Well, it's good that it's for the summer because you don't want to get that mixed up with the, the back to school making the kids lunch. <laughs> Although the teacher, the teacher may appreciate it going, I'll just be confiscating that, Billy. So. <laughs> uh -oh, I yeah. thought it was more of a seltzer water type thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got the seltzer water, too. Uh, so, oh, Ian, that's a wonderful spot. Ian, Mr. Simmons froze. Uh, uh -oh. But he froze in really a, an interesting spot. He's smiling. So that's good. <laughs> So we'll see if he, he, he comes back to us. Uh, I hope so. Uh, so well, how are you doing, Kara? Doing okay. Um, yeah, I think I was just having a login issue and then finally managed to get through. That's, now that you pointed that out, I'm, I'm trying not to laugh at the way the screen froze. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, if he oh, there he is. Okay, we got him back. Uh oh, now. he's mad now. All right, yeah, it's the strangest thing. Like it just blanked out. Like you guys froze for like two minutes, and I was still going. And then all of a sudden, I got the spinny circles. I'm like, what do I look like right now? What's hilarious if you rewind this later on and look, you froze right as you were laughing and smiling. So you had this wonderful expression on your face, like you were happy, and uh, it was a great moment in time. So it's a damn lie. It's a damn no. lie. But yes, well, he, he, he was thinking, yay, for childish adult beverages. Yes, he was thinking of childish. But yeah, this is a very cool idea. And uh, yeah, I'm cracking this sucker open for tonight's movie, which is Night of the Demons from 2009. And normally, normally I ask uh, my wonderful panel, one of them, to do the synopsis. But tonight, I am doing oh. it. I'm playing it straight, but I am... You're going to give the synopsis of Night of the Demons. Uh, so I am wow. sparing my guests this evening. So <laughs> Night of the Demons. Uh, we have college kids this time that are gathering for a party being held once again by Angelina in a house. Not the Hull House, though. This isn't the Hull House. This is the Boussard Mansion. And the film opens with this... 
uh, SEPA-looking, supposedly historical footage of uh, uh, Evangelina hanging herself uh, off of the uh, uh, mansion's balcony. We don't quite know sure why, except that uh, she thinks that uh, the man who she loves, who is also on the balcony with her, is possessed, which she was right. And so she hangs herself, and unlike most places where you hang like old hangman, and you're like, uh, and you swing, well, her neck's not that strong. So her head just pops like a Pez dispenser, and it goes rolling down the stairs in true basketball fashion. And then we cut to modern-day debauchery. And I do mean modern-day debauchery, folks. Um, everybody's going to this party that Angelina's holding at this mansion, which has this history. And we've got our standard costumes held by adults. We've got our two stoners, and we've got our ladies who are all dolled up in their uh, uh, special kitty outfits, or I'm not sure who... Josie and the Pussycats. Yeah, Josie and the Pussycats. <laughs> yeah, you could call them that. Uh, the, except our main uh, actress, Maddie, who uh, doesn't. She dresses like a victim or final girl. I'm not quite sure what her costume was, but um, it wasn't quite as revealing as her friend's. Uh, but still, they go to this party, have a wild time. Party gets shut down, and in true fashion, just like in the original, our hostess gets possessed by a demon. Only there's a little more of a, uh, a story with the demon. And uh, trapped in the house with her are her friends. Are, we've got Lily. We've got all pretty much the similar characters that we had trapped in the original. We do have Heavy Furlong, though, who shows up in here. <laughs> Uh, as a drug dealer who also gets tracked, uh, uh, trapped, and I'm sorry, I, yeah, I call him heavy for long. I shouldn't, but he... I, ca I call him Edward Footlong because he had too many <laughs> Subway sandwiches. But uh, I go with Fergon, actually. Fergon? Oh, no. <laughs> he had it, but he lost it. He had it, but he lost it. I. He's in here for whatever reason. And anyway, we have Maddie, who's our main... She's uh, the ex of Eddie Furlong's Colin, and we watch as the demons, one by one, take possession of the characters, similar to the original, uh, but not quite in that these demons look a lot more slick and CW in style. <laughs> and again, we have a little more backstory with our demons, and it comes down to the final girl. And yes, this is a spoiler room, folks. This final girl uh, takes on the demons and waits till daylight. That's that's thank you. Thank you. Uh, that it hurt, but uh, I got through it. So <laughs> uh, much like um, this like one of the cat girls, like uh, one of the cat girls. when she gets infected. Uh, wow. yeah, um, tentacles involved in that. Oh. Um, one thing I, I thought, though, um, Evangeline, right? Yeah, the, the, I thought she was jumping off the balcony with the noose around her neck because she realized that Jeffrey Jones was coming after her. Um, it surprised I mean, me that it, I forgot he was in this until I saw it. Like, well, it, it wasn't Jeffrey Jones. It was an no. unfortunate young actor who looked exactly, exactly like, like Jeffrey Jones. <laughs> Michael Arata. Michael Arata looks so much like Jeffrey Jones. If they ever did some weird, creepy bio uh, biopic of Jeffrey Jones, he should have played him. Um, you can take out the qualifiers of creepy. Just, it's just a biopic of Jeffrey Jones. <laughs> <laughs> the creepy comes naturally. Uh, <laughs> Please choose different words next time. Sorry. 
<laughs> so here we are. It's a remake. We do have a cameo by Lene Quigley. Uh, I'm sure Ian was happy to see that one. I uh, was because honestly, like the two lines that she delivers as the you know hosting the trick or treaters, she delivered better than her entire movie's worth of stuff from the original. <laughs> well, and when she bends over to pick up more candy, you know it. It's like a CGI effect. It looks like the same as from 25 years earlier. In, in front of young girls this time. It's just another yet awkward scene. <laughs> um, Cara, yeah, but they, they giggle, though. They do giggle. They do giggle, so they're not disturbed. They find it hilarious. Um, yeah, and, and you know, I... You knew a cameo was coming because it's a remake from 2010, so it definitely is going to have a cameo from one of the originals. I thought the the cameo was well done, though, and it was a nice callback. Oh, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, it was like, okay, cameo, let's move on to the, the new story. Whereas, as I said, everything new is old again. <laughs> but It's retro. It's it's retro, but I, I don't know. Kara, how... Do you feel about this film uh, initially when you first saw it? The oh, the first time I watched it, I want to say was back in 2010. I wasn't too impressed with it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is my second time watching it, so I, it to me, it just feels like they were trying a little too hard. It's a lot more stylized, but there's something in there that that falls flat, and I don't know what the deal with that Casper scene in the middle of one of the possessions was about. <laughs> The Casper scene? The two floating women dancing. Oh, yes. right. <laughs> Very good. Yes. <laughs> I was like, what? what? Yeah, well, there's a lot of what going on in this film. Uh, Ian, what about you, sir? Was this your first time viewing it uh, for the show? <clears throat> I think so. I don't think I... It, I had these, like... I had these weird moments of deja vu where I don't uh-huh. know if I'd seen bits of it or if I'd actually watched it, you know, sure, 10 years ago or whatever. Um, but no, this is effectively the first time I've sat through uh, the entire thing. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, I maintain the first half of it is pretty great. And then the second half gets really goofy and like super derivative. And I confess that part of my enjoyment of that first half may just because it's a wonderful time capsule of those, you know, 2010s horror remakes, the, you know, the, like today it's comic book movies. 12 years ago, it was horror Remake, franchises yeah. and reboots and, and complete with, I mean, you see Monica Kina and Diora Baird who are, you know, those, they were like the poster children for those remakes. You know, Monica Kina was in Freddy versus Jason. Diora Baird was in the prequel sequel to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> the beginning yeah um uh, you know it's just it's it's a lot of fun and i think there's some cool like i think the the first half of this movie moves in a way that uh the original didn't we kind of talked about that last week Mm -hmm. i also love that there is an insane drug dealer who's getting a blowjob during a scene where he's intimidating edward furlong and that character never comes back it was just like i've got this idea for this drug character (laughs) named nigel doesn't work in any other movie. Let's put him in Night of the Demons. I'm like, hell yeah, that works. <laughs> <laughs> he's talking about how he's gonna like kneecap Edward Furlong's family or whatever. And meanwhile, you see like this blonde head just out of frame, like going up and down. I'm like, this is pure cinema. Yeah, and then at one point she stops, looks at him, going, "Are you done yet?" <laughs> like, 
does it look like I'm fucking done? <laughs> oh, man. Good stuff. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's good. It's definitely uh, an interesting start off. And you're right. This starts off a lot wilder, a lot uh, a lot faster than the original in in ways in the first half until the until the house party gets crashed the thing it, it does actually play out i i will say as well i found it interesting um i mean again it was hitting more of those early 2000 horror trope checkbooks you've got uh the ladies all dressed in their you know costumes that they got off of wish but before was there was wish um, <laughs> you know, uh, except our hero, who is the only uh, female cast member out of the main group, I think, that doesn't take her top off um, or lose her shirt. But I'm yeah. not sure if that was kind of meant to be a, a Mean Girls reference where they say at the beginning, well, you're you're not dressed all slutty. And she's like, well, I thought Halloween was supposed to be scary. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not mm. sure either. It could be. It could have been, especially, you know, the dynamic between these uh, th these ladies. You know, you, you feel they're friends and whatnot, but it was pretty... It's one of those things where, yes, you usually get it telegraphed in a horror film. I don't think uh, I've seen it quite so telegraphed of which one of these people is not going to be turned into a demon. Oh, it's the one who says Halloween's going to be for scary, and she's the one that's got the most, you know, covering. <laughs> Her whole belly's hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and that's the thing is like it's you know she's got the 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 low riding jeans, mm -hmm. and they're they're making some like reference to how she's like oh natural she doesn't shave down there or whatever. Yeah, there's a and one I felt <laughs> well, but I felt like we were you know just like a deleted scene from finding out the truth because my god, <laughs> like. I'm not going to get too One graphic wrong here, but and there you go. <laughs> seriously, like the whole time she's walking around, like the, the girls in this movie are either like their boobs are completely popping out, or they're walking around in lowriders. You feel like they're just going to trip, like fall out of their own pants. I'm like, what is going on with this feature? But I did, I did say I learned something um, from a, an early dialogue scene. It's kind of a joke, I guess, but they're talking about fishnet stockings. And the one says, my fishnets are not doing kind things to my Brazilian. And that mm. actually got me thinking about, like, that makes a lot of sense. That could be really uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, shit, I'm watching a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the early conversations and the way, you know, it still feels like you look at a film like this and you're like, you, you guys aren't quite there yet, but you're getting closer to it, it the way they're writing female characters and car. I'd love your, your thought on how our female group of characters were written because it feels like they're almost there to where they're, it's like realistic, but this still feels like it's being put out there specifically just yeah. to shock people or whatever that women talk kinda, like this. Kind of campy trampy. Campy trampy. I like that term. <laughs> okay. So it wasn't just me because I'm like sitting here going, okay, I know groups of, women and i know they have frank discussions but this just seems like very specific <laughs> and very particular for the film like just about everything else in this film kind of felt like it um you know we get our stoner guys because we've got our group of ladies and they're all friends and you know 
can tell who's going to probably survive. And then we got our two stoner guys. Who is one's name's Dext? So these guys are are similar to what our male characters are. But these are actually not bro guys, though. These are good guys, aren't they, Ian? I mean, they they get candy for the kids from the guy who's stealing candy, you know, by using a paintball, and you know, uh, they try to play it straight with the ladies, even though they're coming on to them. And well, yeah, <clears throat> sorry that that's one of the. Uh things I think sets this movie apart from the original. And it was something we again talked about last week is in that 1984 movie, all of the characters are just awful Mm -hmm. uh, with the exception possibly of the, the final girl in this, you know, it really is. I wouldn't necessarily want to hang out with these people, you know, unprompted, but if I found myself at a bar with them, I don't think I'd have a bad time. Um, <laughs> like the one guy, uh, Jason, who's sort of our doctor, who's got like a neat effect of like the pair of scissors rammed through his, you know, chest yeah. as part of his costume. He, it was the haircut and also the demeanor. He reminded me of Jim from The Office. He was oh. old, like John Krasinski. Um, and so I, yeah, I, I liked these characters generally. Mm-hmm. We got to spend a bit more time with them. Uh, with with more of them than others, certainly. Like Dex is basically introduced. He gets one kind of a yeah. There's some history between these two characters thing, and then next thing he's you know turning into a demon in spectacular fashion. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the only person I didn't really care about was Edward Furlong as Colin. Um, but I did love watching him because I'm like, he's not exactly acting. I get I just get the feeling that he honestly thinks he's in this movie. <laughs> and who knows maybe maybe he was uh given kind of you know his history so the the saddest thing here's a bit of meta context and again i think this is like tabloid trash although there were there were photos i can't remember why but i looked up i, I looked up monica kina because mm-hmm. and i don't like to get into it about you know actresses appearances but for the longest time i think it started around the time of freddy versus jason i started noticing like it looked like she got like pretty bad Botox injections in her lips. Yeah. Oh, we lost. Oh, and Cara. yeah, here's I, Kara. I'm, I'm sorry. Left. I'm I'm going after Monica <laughs> Kina, and you will not have it. I appreciate that. But no, I was like, I remember her from the the actress from Dawson's Creek, and I'm like, she did not always look like that. And so I went, and I Googled it, and it brought up this article about how she and Edward Furlong used to date and they had like this really big public like falling out, but they both looked like they were strung out on drugs. I'm like, this is so sad. This is like 2013. Wow. But that's also reflecting 2009, like a premonition of their two yeah. characters who had a falling out because he was a, uh, a, a drug dealer <laughs> and she kind of cut it out because it just didn't work between them because he, you know, and he's at this party, and the the reason Colin's at this party, he snuck in, giving money to the door person, who I really, really wish would have had a longer part in here. I love Tiffany. Me too. I love Tiffany Shepis. If you folks aren't familiar with her, she's a wonderful indie actress. She's been in a lot of stuff. I've always liked the roles she was in, and she shows up in here, and Tiffany. Tiffany's a great character. I wanted this character to stay. Her character is a, uh, she's working with Angelina during the party, and she's the one that makes away with all the money when the party gets busted. But I'm like, oh, no, don't leave. Come back. Because she she actually gets some really cool little short scenes in this film. 
This might be the first time that I've actually, because I've I've seen Tiffany Shepis at conventions. Mm-hmm. I know people have talked highly of her in movies. This might be the first thing that I've actually seen her in. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And I agree. Like, I don't know if this is indicative of her other performances, but she's in the movie for all of five minutes of total screen time, like maybe three scenes. And you're right, Mark. I was like, she needs to be more a part of this. I think the reason they cut her out or had her character leave is because if she got stuck in the house with these demons, they, they wouldn't stand a chance. <laughs> she would have. She was like, peace. She would have climbed the gate. Which No, she would have just like shot him a dirty look just, and it would have dissolved. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've always liked Tiffany Shepard. And she was a cam, you know, kind of an appearance in here that it was, it was great to see her in here, even though it was for a short time. Because, yeah. She she has some of the best acting in this film, in all honesty. Um, uh, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, and the first half, yeah, the setup. So Colin sneaks in, Angelina, uh, we learn, is in trouble. She's, she's doing this kind of on the sly because she's trying to do a business of being a party coordinator. And it, it leads you on. Doesn't it, Cara? Like, you're like, Night of the Demons, okay, they're going to add a more higher body count to this one, right, Cara? But they don't they they pull their rug out from under you and would you say that it is at the point where this party gets crashed that this thing really takes a turn um it definitely really picks up um i mean not that it was really slow this one moves at a more Mm -hmm. steady pace than the first one but yeah i I can kind of see that why i i don't know if it was a budget issue where I'm all tongue-tied again. I don't know if it was a budget issue where they just kept a certain amount of people or uh, if it was just, um, what was it? I think they had Shannon Elizabeth in this. Yep. I don't know if yeah. it was just an issue with being able to cover people's fees as to why they didn't keep like <laughs> the full room of, hmm. of the party people. Yeah, I'm not sure either. But yeah, you're right with Shannon Elizabeth in here as Angela. Excuse me, I still say Angelina, but she says Angela as the Angela character, uh, maybe a lot of their budget went to her because this was 2010. So she was, she was, uh, yeah, she was everywhere for a while. Uh, um, Yeah. (laughs) It's super unfair, but I I can't look at her without thinking American Pie. It, it, yeah. (laughs) And she's tried hard. She tried hard to kind of shed that, but she just, she couldn't, you know, some actors embrace the role that they're known for. And, she was like, no, I'm more than this. And so I think that's part of the reason why she took a lot of different roles, including this one. Um, you know, it's in yeah, a... a corset top isn't going to help. <laughs> that's... Well, that's the thing is like, you know, not to divert this into an American Pie show. But I mean, she was aside from the fact that she took off her top in that movie and, you know, kind of became famous. She was really good in that movie, you know, mm-hmm. for that small part. You know, she was funny and she worked really well with the, uh, with the, was it Jason Biggs? Yeah. Um, but, but that's the thing is like when she showed up in Love Actually, she was kind of playing a, like a sexy character. Um, and then in this one, when she makes her entrance at the top of those stairs and she gives that speech about like, you know, we're going to turn this thing into a giant orgy. I was like, she is having so much fun and I'm having fun watching her have fun. And I don't know how the hell she got like her one leg is like propped up against a banister while she's holding this wine. I'm like, how is that physically possible? 
It's not sexy, but it's fascinating and kind of hot at the same time. I don't know what I'm looking at. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she's definitely uh, more of an extrovert in this than, than I would say some of the, the other roles we've seen her in, you know, very uh, confident and such. And uh, she she's the one... Uh, the, you know, this is one of those remakes where I'm like, why'd they just, why'd they do it as a remake for Night of the Demons? <clears throat> because the story's different for the most part. They, I mean, they're in a different house. There's this whole backstory with the demonology thing going on where they need seven bodies and they find the corpse, you know, uh, Colin, you know, Furlong, he finds his character while he's looking for his drugs that he dumped down the vent. They're looking for it, and they find these bodies that are positioned in a specific way. And there's this whole story about the bodies disappearing as one of them gets to possess it. It's, like, completely different. And I'm not against that, but at the same time, I'm sitting here going, why didn't you just call it something else? Because at this point in 2010, you could have came out with a horror film. You didn't have to hinge it on the remake part, because when you click it on a remake, it comes with some baggage. You know? Well, I think... It's sort of like we were talking about before, because the early to you know mid two thousands was lousy with horror mm. in theaters, home video. It was everywhere. So if you can have that branding hook of this is Night of the Demons, you know it's it's twenty five years after the original that everyone loves, and it's got Linnea Quigley and Chan Elizabeth. I think that's an easier hook rather than generic two thousand nine. <laughs> horror movie with demons number 58 yeah uh, um, hired edward furlong so he could pay child support <laughs> he didn't use that money for a child no sorry um <laughs> but no i you know and i also think that they wanted to have the lipstick scene yeah and there's no way that they could do that without calling it night of the demons yeah. but i gotta say that's this was you know this is before the movie really turned south for me is because or maybe it was around that same time I was on this kind of a roller coaster in some of these scenes mm -hmm. because I'm like, okay, the lipstick scene. Diora Baird takes off her top and we see the goods because, you know, she wasn't shy about showing them the, the early in her career. But she stips, sticks the lipstick in. I'm like, okay, this is the gag. But then she goes to retrieve it. And I'm like, okay, so now we're going from just ripping something off to something mildly interesting. <laughs> and then when she goes to retrieve it, the character who's standing there looking on in awe looks down at the floor and sees that it is like pouring blood from down there from where she retrieved the lipstick. I'm like, okay, so it's just it's escalating. So now I'm fully invested. <laughs> uh, that's one thing you mentioned. They do feel seem like they're having fun with it mm -hmm. and they change a classic scene, um, which, yeah, but. Then, then some things, as you mentioned, start to take south. I mean, uh, and uh, what do you think of this scene, Kara, where they do a variation on the lipstick hiding, which we talked about last week in the original, how it, you know, the special effects that use good, you know, and here we got good special effects, but they take it up a notch. How'd you feel about them taking it up a notch, I guess? I, I had forgotten all about the whole lipstick thing. I was... I was surprised that they did it, but not not super shocked. But I was right. kind of thinking this is more like a gum dispenser. You put the quarter in, you turn the knob, and then it pops out the bottom. <laughs> well, it's a lipstick dispenser. There's there's some blood there, there's some blood involved. But yeah, <laughs> and, if we're going the candy metaphor, it's more like gushers. More like gushers. 
god. Yeah. Wow. Cherry gushers. There you go. Now you'd never eat those again. Uh <laughs> depends on who you are, Mark, honestly. Yeah, I guess. But yeah. no, um yeah, that's it was really just, the the thing that surprised me though, because I, I was like, it doesn't really make any sense, but it does if you go with the idea of the demons kind of toying with their victims. The Jason character, aka Jim from the office, mm. he's the one who witnesses the whole lipstick thing. And in the next scene, he's just like running into the living room to like all freaked out telling what? his friends what happened. I'm like, why did she let him go? Well, he didn't even run. He just kind of shuffles it oh, staring right. back, staring back where it was. It's like very gym like, yes. Um <laughs> Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he tried to comprehend what is going on. Uh, which again was amusing part. There's a lot of parts that were enjoyable, but as the film goes on, it almost felt either like they ran out of ideas, or I'm not sure what they were trying to go for. But um, the first part definitely is more solid. But you do get this variation. You're like, okay, variation on the lipstick scene, and then uh, we still have the part with uh, Angeline, uh, Angel Angela kissing to pass on the demon possession uh don't we cara but this time she's not just kissing all the guys is she <laughs> she kissing everybody yeah. what, what, i mean what'd you think of? oh some... we know about those kinds of girls they've been kissed <laughs> by everybody <laughs> but what what'd you think about kind of the 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 of uh, i guess it's a uh, it's more prevalent here than I think it was in 88 uh, version of the more uh, um, strong uh, control of, I guess, sexuality by all characters involved in this and kind of the um, fluidity of everybody. What would you think of that versus, say, the 1988 one? Are you there, Kara? Well, hopefully she comes back so we can... I don't know if oh. I cut out in the middle of that. I... Oh, you did. I was doing... Oh, and now we oh. Lo- <clears throat> she she was having some technical issues earlier, but um, we, we, we'll uh, we'll come back to her and, and hopefully can get her answer because I wanted her perspective on this because I felt like some of the scenes in here, especially, I know they were exploitive scenes. There was nudity in the original, but this one really felt like blatant. Like, hey, the first one was very exploitive, so we're gonna up that a notch as well. For the sake of the exploitation, I mean, you, you, what'd you think? Yeah, but I mean, I don't really have a problem with it. I mean, that's the, it's hard, you know, in this climate, you know, the climate of the last, you know, it, it's weird because this movie feel, feels like it crept in like right at the end of when this stuff was even close to acceptable in pop culture. Right. But if you can put your mindset back into the early 2010s, it's like, yeah, I mean, sex comedies. <laughs> And exploitative horror movies ruled the roost. Yeah. Nobody gave a fuck. <laughs> um, and honestly, it was very reflective of the early 1980s. Yeah. You know, Porky's and Friday mm-hmm. the 13th made mega franchises that spawned countless imitators. So it is weird watching it now, mm-hmm. but it's all it was weird for me personally because I'm like, oh, this was kind of nice. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it, well, I was I was struggling with it not because of the content no i am if anybody has heard any of our conversation i am i am far from any type of 
there's prude and then there's i'm on the other side of the bell curve but um <laughs> or the ball curve <laughs> the ball curve <laughs> The, the ball sack but um <laughs> jesus mark <laughs> i guess looking at it trying to look at it kind of as whatever you want to call me critical eyes or whatever i was trying to look at it a little bit differently and it is a remake of an original that had those 80s exploitive moments though it was 88 so it was a little bit interesting approach but i guess for me it felt like oh hey they had this in 88. We've got it, like I mentioned before, we've got to ramp it up a notch. And they mm-hmm. threw it in there just to have it in there. Not necessarily, you know, the, the way they handled the scenes just. And I don't necessarily have a problem with it. But at the same time, it felt like, oh, uh, the other movie had exploitive uh, elements. We're just going to put three times as much in it for the sake of having it versus any type of story narrative (laughs) you know my biggest problem with it is you you know what i'm trying to say i I hope i'm trying to i mean i'm no i i get it i just i don't know if i really can articulate what i'm thinking because it's kind of a vague (laughs) notion but i i think it comes down to uh like stripper bods versus like the kind of bodies they had in the 1980s (laughs) <laughs> like to me when i see you know stuff from like the the early to mid 2000s a lot of it is actresses who frankly have had a lot of work done to get their bodies to look a certain way that they think is going to get them work and attract men and you know it does it it has worked you know historically but i i think there's just something so nice about like natural you know unaugmented beauty which is why i brought up the whole thing about monica kina right. you know she i i don't know why I do know why certain people decide to have like all this work done to their face, probably because they've got some agent looking in their you know, ear saying, yeah, if you puff your lips out 35% more, you're going to get X amount of work. And me personally, I look at that and like, you were just so beautiful as like the, the girl next door when you were on Dawson's Creek or whatever. <laughs> um, and she was, she, you know, she was on Dawson's Creek initially and, yeah. and playing a character I really liked, but the, the whole like, kind of the as i mentioned the boobs popping out of the corsets and stuff yes it's exploitative i don't you know this is just speaking for me i don't find that sexy or attractive Mm -hmm. really linnea quigley's thing from you know the the week before that was kind of weird like it was a very strange (laughs) demonic seduction and even though i didn't appreciate her acting i thought there was a lot more sex appeal to that original than there was to whatever's going on in this one and, and and you mentioned it, sex appeal. This film is really trying harder than, in all honesty, Night of the Demons, as much as we mentioned that there are some, the exploitative moments, as we mentioned before, the, the guys oogling the, the uh, girls in their dorm room and whatnot, there's not a huge amount of sex appeal for the rest of the film after kind of seeing the guys in their tidy whities and, and the ladies there, because as the film goes on, you get into the horror elements of the story of that, even when you get to the the sex scenes, they aren't exactly handled as well, uh, you know, as sensual or whatever the way they light it as they do in this film. <laughs> it, it, you know, there's a lot more exploitive, deliberate titillation in this film, for lack of a better term, it feels like, than the original um, yeah. with the scenes that we had. And, and yeah, uh, I guess, uh, Cara, before you dropped out, uh, 
if you uh, still can uh, answer the question, how, how did you feel about uh, these scenes? Do you think they kind of pushed the narrative? Do you think they they were just put in there just to put in there, especially with all the uh, ladies? Uh, how did you feel about that? I'd say that was definitely on on purpose, especially. I mean, they're they're pretty looking women, so I mean, why not play that up? At, especially if you have them dressed in a certain way, you're trying right. to bring people in to watch this. So I I think yeah, like they were I guess trying numerous angles to make sure the film did well, but I don't think it was done in an offensive way to where oh these women are are really being um, treated like like pieces of meat and when it really comes down to it especially the the kissing scenes it's like even if even if you are heterosexual or whatever it's like everyone's going to stop and stare like oh two hot chicks are making out (laughs) right (laughs) yeah i I was just curious because it just seemed like this film it's like oh they had little sexual elements in the 88 one we've got to do so much more of that in this film (laughs) Well, I mean, I think if this one does, you know, I, I didn't appreciate the, you know, as I mentioned, the kind of like the whole kind of fake boobness of this movie. Mm. But if you look at what they did with the characters, I mean, we're talking about like they've got all this probably unrealistic dialogue. It's kind of like chick bro yeah. dialogue <laughs> between people. But at least they're building characters that right. you kind of want to spend time with and do develop over the course of the movie until sure. they get turned into demons contrast that with uh the couple who ended up getting killed in the coffin right in the original Mm -hmm. the one girl was introduced i think she had like two lines of dialogue and then it's like oh i've got my top off and next thing you know i'm dead sure so it's 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 not just about nudity Mm -hmm. or sexuality it's what you do with the characters that are exposing themselves i think that's the key yeah and they do they do try to do more with these characters uh i will say than the first one uh, and maybe that's what, you know, their intent was trying to improve on that, which is what I always want to see in a remake is them improve on maybe bits that were lacking. Uh, unfortunately, at one point, this uh, film later on turns into a CW show <laughs> because, oh, uh, yeah, it's when the demon part starts happening. And it sounds weird because it's <coughs> Night of the Demons. It's a horror film. You would think. And you have some interesting kills. She tears one person's face off. Like you mentioned, Dex and his uh, and Willie, I think it was, yeah. uh, finally hook up. But Dex is already possessed because he got kissed by Angela. And this really interesting demonic transformation scene. <laughs> well, yeah, because there's like a, let's just say a dog scene. And uh, at one point, and they're going at it pretty hard at one point he stops and then they start again and she's like well if you're gonna put it back there you've got to and then by then it's too late and then she starts turning it was interesting because i had forgotten that she had the cat ears so when she's transforming and getting like those those sharp teeth and her eyes kind of change i saw the cat ears almost as horns coming out oh, of her yeah. head instead of like the little cat ears i thought it was that was an interesting scene because the i think in the original it was pretty much only the kissing that was transformed. Right, yeah, it was the kissing. And, and here it was like, yeah, it's any any orifice. It'll get the job done. <laughs> that part I thought, uh, you know, again, that's a scene in there that they put in there that uh, it added a bit of humor the way it was done, too. 
you know, with, with her transformation. You're like, okay. So you get your demons. And then, I don't know. I just, it, it feels like it falls apart when the demons start showing up. It, it, it really does. You, you lose any type of characters, and now pretty soon you just have three victims trying to avoid being killed. I mean, there's no real separation. <laughs> yeah, and they do that, again, it's, it's just a style of the era um, where that whole thing of, like, the shaky head and the shaky oh, the hands. Shaky, and like, oh, yeah. The, yeah, like the transfer, like, hey, it's it's Jan Elizabeth, and then she shakes her head, and it's, oh, now it's the demon Angela, and she shakes her head, and now she's back. It's like, it's like Etch-A-Sketch horror. <laughs> I never liked that trend, even when it showed up in... The latest movie, because they still use it today, folks. If you're wondering, they use it in It, part one. They used it in It, or It, yeah, It, part one. They used it when, uh, with, uh, uh, with uh, our clown, he does that occasionally. And I'm like, oh, don't do that. I'm like, it's been done <laughs> so, so much in horror. Uh, and it, it's, that's, I don't like that effect. I mean, once okay, but they use it quite a bit in here, you know. Raimi used it in uh in Army of Darkness, but used it rather humorously. <laughs> oh yeah, with Ash's with face Ash like and changing face in the cartoon. <sighs> yeah. Right. And that's it's also uh you know, use it sparingly. Yeah. I mean these they shake so much and for so long. It's almost like someone who won't stop shaking the magic eight ball. Yeah. It's like, just look at the answer already. <laughs> well, and then Angela in this one, it's really weird because the, the other demons are pretty creepy. You have you have ripped off face with appearing skull. I kind of I liked her look. You know, you had yeah. some of the other folks. And then you get Angela, who in the first one was the probably the creepiest looking one. I mean, she her makeup and everything, even with the zombie other she was creepy i mean she was and in here she looks like she came off as being the person who was worked on for the special effects makeup competition i mean it you know she she doesn't look frightening at all <laughs> right she almost looks like a like a makeup test for a star trek alien yeah uh, you know very very white skin a little bit of wrinkle i mean i didn't get that great a look at her but there was nothing there was nothing in, actually, she looked too clean a she, bit, yeah. her, the makeup was clean her horn and everything she did not look demonic as her other lackey you know and if you're doing that you want her to be scary and i never once found her frightening at all <laughs> you know i think she was more fright i think shannon elizabeth was more frightening as regular angela than she was when she was turned into the demon with the hordes personally um you know and i i it was just weird but then that's another thing is a number of things just are a little bit too clean and i know it's 2010 but i'm like we mentioned it in the first one com compared to this one this house had no character. In the first one, the house right. <clears throat> had character. This one just has a lot of rooms, and most of the rooms are well lit. They're mostly clean. They they really don't have a whole lot of character outside of you're like, oh, they're on a set, or <laughs> you, you know, or or that is looks like it should be from a show, a cable show, not necessarily 
a, a haunted, scary house. And yeah, I mean, Night of the Demons. It looked like uh, what was it? Kevin Tenney um, found yeah, an abandoned house and decided to shoot there. Night of the Demons, two thousand nine. It looks like they found they got a set designer and said, "I need a creepy looking haunted house set." Yeah. The only part that looks anything like the original house is the basement. The basement is the thing that I wish the rest of the house still looked like, even though they were having the party, because yeah. that part I have actually found interesting. Cara, did you think this house kind of looked a little too clean compared to, like, the spooky house we had, the first one? I, I agree with you. I think the first house looked like it was a real house versus maybe just a set or a series of rooms that were were set up this house other than the the one with all the writing all over the walls is kind of boring looking <laughs> yeah it, it's not interesting you don't care you know i mean in the other one it kind of added to the 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 fear factor i mean and the other one took place in a mortuary this is just a mansion that's got a haunted you know i don't understand that change and i get it today's and I'm not, I'm not trying to generalize this youth. I will say the trend, okay? I'm not going to generalize the audience, but the trend in the makers of the film feel like they need to feed you a reason why things are happening all the time. When I personally find horror in the not knowing, I will say the demons happening in 88 one they're happening. That's that's all you need. The, these creatures are in this one. We spend a fair amount of time getting this backstory and and why the character, you know, the corpses are there and why is this happening? And I'm like, I don't really care. I came for Night of the Demons. I want demons. <laughs> I, I blame that on the early 2000s. It became a lot more about explaining the hows and the whys, especially with um what was it that one Texas Chainsaw Massacre? They were trying to give like the origins of Leatherface and all this other stuff. And yeah, then people were being weird, questioning, "Well, why does he wear eyeshadow? Who cares? He's at dinner." <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, but but that's that's an excellent point because they did that with all of them. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like okay, we need to explain Leatherface. We need to explain Michael Myers. We need to explain Jason. Like that, that was, that was the, the name of the game. It was brand recognition and, you know, the untold story is going to be told. Uh, yeah, I, my, I didn't mind that necessarily. What drove me crazy was the lore of the room. Like mm -hmm. when we get into that room, that's got all the, the symbols and stuff, right. they spend an awful lot of time peeling the paint off these walls <laughs> to reveal <laughs> the secret writings. And my question is, Okay, the, the story is in 1925 when the Broussard incident happened. They found the the maid who had scrawled all this stuff on the walls. But then they like, they, I guess they shut the house down. Like no one's lived there in 80 years. My question is, who the hell painted over all this stuff? <laughs> it's not like they're trying to sell the house. But anyway, they they find all these, you know, incantations, and it's based, supposed to be to a protective room against the evil spirits. And at this point, Monica Kina's character, she reads the entire room. <laughs> And then gives the elaborate backstory complete with accompanying flashbacks and says, oh, we can stop the demons with rust, all this rusty tools that are laying around the house because rust is an elemental element and or metal is an elemental element and demons are elemental beings and rust is a corroding element. I'm like, demons are ele like <laughs> demons come from the elements. No, what what is this? 
It felt like they were just like throwing pasta at the wall to see if it sticks. Carl, what would you think of this as this went on with the lore part and suddenly they have a protective room and and all this? Yeah, it's a, a demon panic room. <laughs> but I mean, is this any of this needed? Really? I mean, um, I, I don't think it was necessary for them to to spoon feed us. I think they could have just gone straight into it without them just babying the audience. And I, I kind of think maybe it was more like for filler. They just didn't have much to carry the the requested length of the film, so they're just padding it out. Yeah, we're trapped in the room, so we spend an awful lot of time in the room here that they're not supposed to be able to get in. And then <laughs> the demons decide to pour blood along the walls to erase the runes. And so they grab charcoal from the fire to redraw all the runes that they've only studied for a little while, but they can redraw them within the blood and... and you know, I was just thinking, well, now aren't you regretting taking all that paint off? Because if you hadn't taken off the paint off, the runes are still there, and they wouldn't have had the blood washing the runes away. Uh, yeah, what were they we thinking? We wouldn't have found out all that backstory stuff. That's true. We would, we would have gotten the five-minute backstory, which we needed to find out why she hung herself and what, how the demons, uh, uh, you know. Again, it's one of those things where... You have a film called Night of the Demons. You have a party. You have demons. You have demons possessing people that they want to get out in the world. That's all you really need. This, this whole bizarre event and backstory stuff for me just felt like, man, I'm missing out on some demon action going on here. Some, some horror action. And then the film doesn't even follow its own rules, folks. It doesn't follow its own rules with Mr. Furlong's character, Colin. Because at one point, the floor just gives away. They just had a bathtub full of blood because the bathroom wasn't having all the runes. So they've been running out into the house and coming back and running out in the house and coming back. Uh, they tried to do this tunnel that was set up earlier. That was collapsed. Um, you know, So they finally are back in the room again. They're, they're in the bathroom. There's a blood tub and a demon pops out. So he comes back out and then the floor decides to give way. Just give way. And <laughs> he been... falls through all four floors. And that he... house can take only so much of blur bloated furlong. <laughs> so, so, so heavy furlong uh, falls down <laughs> through four steps. And okay, he breaks his leg. I get that. Okay, all right, breaks his leg. And so she decides to get a rope from somewhere. They just happen to find this rope in a closet. And, and uh, she crawls down there. Now, mind you, demons are still in the house on the other floors. But she decides to crawl down there to help him, leaving the room once again that has the protective runes in it to help him. And then he changes. No demon, as far as I know, touched him. No demon, as far as I know, kissed him or did any other thing to him. He I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> well said, Kara. Well said. But it didn't even it didn't even 
follow its own rules. And uh, that always kind of bugs me with horror films. Like, at least one thing, you've established one thing, stick with the rules. But, Kara, he just... is. Did I miss something, Kara? Or he just changes, doesn't he? It, it seems that way. I, I didn't notice anyone approach him or he bite him or put lipstick on him or anything. Yeah, because Angela got bit by a skeleton. Don't ask me how. Skeleton still possessed. It bit her, and that's how she got infected with this from the beginning. But he didn't seem to land on anything that would have bit him or anything. He just sits there and suddenly goes, like kind of like Roger Rabbit, and suddenly he's he's zombie for long. Did the did the bathtub demon grab him and push him down to the basement or make him fall to the floor? I can't remember. No, he just walked out onto the floor and it collapsed underneath him. Okay. Um, well, I, the, yeah, the demon logic does not work at all in this movie. Earlier, there was that scene in the the kind of the basement where all of a sudden they're like in this abandoned mine shaft for some reason. Yeah, the, the tunnel that goes between the two properties, which I was hoping they would go to the whole house and that would connect it. That would have been fun. But, I mean, the demons, there's like three of them on the ceiling upside down. And they're just slowly crawling (laughs) towards our heroes in order to give them time to, like, load their shotguns and then get away. I'm like, what are you doing? (laughs) Like, you're demons. You can materialize from one side of the room to the other. You could probably jump in, like, take up the same space as one of these victims' bodies and make it explode. And yet you're taking your precious time. So, yeah, the demon rules do not work at all they the, the one thing the i like the music what was it the music yes they, yeah. they spent the budget on the music uh i will say early on when you go up to the party they played um bloodletting the vampire song by concrete blonde in this great remix that i hadn't heard before i was like that's part of the thing that helped me get on board this movie that that, that song is amazing but yeah i think the the bit with the room with the runes could have worked if they had instead of having the thing oh there's all these arms coming out of the room and and people are just like going around frantically trying to draw like recreate you know <laughs> the mythical runes. symbols that they probably were too freaked out to pay attention to in the first place but when angela shows up at the door and talks to monica Kina's character that's interesting because they're like mm-hmm. this invisible barrier between them and she's like you can't get in and then angela's like we have our ways would have been great if somehow and because we're breaking rules all over the place one of the three people in that room was secretly possessed it was like mm-hmm. a demon playing undercover and had used mind games to convince the others to leave the room or to do something or to kill themselves i don't know turn it into like john carpenter's the thing since we're remaking covert demons yeah covert, <laughs> yeah, demons. covert I love it. demons i like that actually that's the name of a movie Copyright Spoiler Room 2000. Uh, uh, I thought you were serious. Like, it already exists. Covert Demons. (laughs) Versus the G.I. Jehovah's Witnesses. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's a movie. G.I. Jehovah's Witnesses versus the Covert Demons. Wow. We got got ourselves a winner right there, folks. But, you know, it... It doesn't hold to its own rules after a while. I mean, it had them for a little while, but it it breaks them for the sake of reaching the 90-minute mark for this film. Because then, folks, uh, look, I'm not into guns, okay? I, I used to be a hunter. I know at least enough of shotguns, and you could do a lot with shotguns. 
But <laughs> what did he do in this film? Because of the rust setup, she ends up being the final girl because, as we mentioned, Colin ends up turning into zombie. So now she runs back up to the rune, <laughs> the rune room again, the, the demonic safe room, and she has a shotgun. And so, Kara, what does she decide to do with the shotgun shells? <laughs> and this whole scene. I don't remember. <laughs> ah, it's that memorable. That That's okay. She takes rusty nails and puts them in shotgun shells and then puts them in the the shotgun and then she takes more nails and puts them down the tube of the shotgun i'm like isn't that how it works mark yeah i I remember her shooting stuff at them but i i I don't know i guess i missed where she was just salt rocking it well it was hard because it was hard to tell because the the scene was so darkly lit at that point that you couldn't quite tell what she was doing with the nails and the shotgun shells, but you just knew enough that, okay, she's got a shotgun. Those look like shotgun shells and she's putting rusty nails in them and she's shooting the demons with them. And apparently that hurts them. Doesn't kill them, but hurts them as she, you know, once again, left the rune room when they were, uh, coerced into leaving because uh, Angela played with the clock and the light outside to make them think it was 6 o'clock in the morning which time moves really slow in this house apparently because if this party ended uh, got busted at around midnight <laughs> and they ended up taking a nap for a while I'm like eh, okay whatever <laughs> but they still do the whole light thing at the end where she holds out till 6 o'clock and there's the sun and we do get the ragged final girl leaving the house kind of like we did in the f- first one, but we get a snazzy one-liner. She's just yeah. witnessed her friends all get annihilated by this demon. And she comes out like, ah, oh. she fakes hanging herself a la Heathers, which didn't make sense on how she was quickly enough able to do that because she got chased by Angela to the balcony just like Evangelina and did I miss it how she because she wrapped it around her ribs and then her neck but we don't see that we just see her put the the noose on but I'm still thinking of the time it took for that yeah logically it shouldn't have worked or broke her ribs at least I I was gonna say because that's a hell of a drop yeah. So even if she had like dual support, her back would have been totally fucked up. <laughs> She's not just like, oops, I'm going to l- l- get out of this now and go strolling down the, the walkway. No. Yeah. I mean, and, yeah, tough. She, she's got that. She's got adamantium skeleton or something. I don't know. At least in Heather's when they did, she just had stepped, you know, when we see her, she didn't like throw herself off of anything. She was just hanging there. So she managed to tie it around her waist before her neck in this right one, and in heathers the 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 uh people come upon her after she's already done it so we don't actually see her mm-hmm. she didn't like jump off anything she just no. made it look like she had hung herself but here she jumps off of it and no offense i'm just saying structurally for the body mm-hmm. she's not exactly built to where you would think that uh she could handle jumping 
at least 10 feet and dropping hard like that. <laughs> it, it just was not believable. And she came out, oh, yeah, hey. And I'm like, no, that was around your rib cage. If it was around your waist, maybe. But it, it was around. She took it. I'm like, you got to have a crack ribbed or something. But again, she then walks away, gives a schnazzy one-liner to the guys who've come to pick up the audio equipment and walks away. And I'm like, that is an <laughs> ending. Because we talked about how we enjoyed the ending of the first one. And this one is like the exact opposite. I did not enjoy the ending of this film at all. Uh, Ian, what about you? I think it would have been great if... Uh... Somehow she picked up an apple off the ground and she's walking away and it's got full it's full of razors and then her throat bursts open. <laughs> what well, you know what? I was kind of waiting that scene uh bring a Lene Quigley cameo background, like she's with a husband or whatnot, and she does you know, she plays that scene, even though she's not nearly the age of the uh, original act, but still a throwback to that scene. I was like, Oh, okay, you know, but we don't get that. She just walks away, uh and gives her one-liner as the 90s horror does and yeah i don't know i the the one the, the big missed opportunity and we kind of talked about it earlier but in that scene with the trick-or-treaters with linnea quigley in the ballerina costume the two little girls who are trick-or-treating they should have been dressed up as the gas station attendants from the original <laughs> movie <laughs> oh god oh wow <laughs> Whoo, that's wow. That would have made their giggling a whole different thing. <laughs> yes. It would have added yes. a whole other <laughs> level to that that you don't really want on this. And uh, Mr. Uh, Infobomb is joining us, and he asked, was this a direct-to-video or DVD release? Uh, yes, yeah, it was think, It was yeah, pretty much direct-to-video. I think yeah. it may have gotten, like, Limited. yeah, like, to a fest or something it may have been played may played at like a fest like south by southwest or something but for the most part this was a directive video dvd release in 2009 at that point um which a lot of a number of these remakes to the 80s horror films were getting released as direct to video stuff and not theatrically released at all i don't even i don't know it did texas chainsaw the beginning did that get Oh yeah, that, yeah, that I was saw a that theatrical. The yeah, that was a theatrical yeah. release. That one was theater. Yeah, but there were some others I know that that were uh, direct to video release, and this one was one of them. That's where I saw it. I remember seeing it because it was a big deal. Oh, we're doing a re remake, you know, and then it's it's what it is. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I just you know it's another product of its time. Uh, but it's like a mirror opposite of the original, where the original was a slow start, but ended strong and ended really fun. This one felt more of a mess uh, of an ending. Like they either ran out of budget time or just weren't quite sure what to do with this story now that they had the rights to it <laughs> and painted themselves into some kind of quarter. And in the end, it, it just feels lacking in, in a number of ways to where it started strong, but you're like, this is where we ended up from where we started, and it, it, it's disappointing to me. Uh, Caro, how did you feel about the ending with this and your, and your final thought with this? It, it did feel kind of lazy. The, the guys just walk up, and no one even questions, did you just jump off of that building? She just unties herself. She's like, hey, 
I'm going home. <laughs> yeah, because they were at the gate for a little while when she jumped out. I mean, they had to have seen her come down and, and you know, there's a noose hanging. And it just, <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, I mean, no one even asked, like, was that performance art? What was that? That was cool. Nothing. They don't even acknowledge that just happened. Yeah. And, and you're like, well, they go into this house that has to have, well, it doesn't because we get, they've been using practical effects a good chunk throughout the film until the ending. We get bad CGI freaking ash that floats through and goes back down to the basement and the corpses ended up in the same spot they were when we first saw them and the one gains its eyes back and uh, yeah, because the spell was broken because they didn't make it, uh, uh, you know, uh, they didn't possess all seven people by the time sun rose. Um, which would have been November 1st. Don't think of the time logic at all <laughs> with this. Um, I didn't like the CGI on that at all, and you're right. It's like I was going to say the sound guys should have screamed when they discovered what was going on, but there's nothing left because all the ash went whoosh down the vents, back down the pipes uh, for whatever reason. We have the zombie bodies still in the basement, which that didn't make much sense either. Uh, <laughs> Infobomb, uh, he is dropping it and saying, I suppose I usually figure anything with furlong past American History X is something that was never in theaters. Yeah. Per yeah, pretty much. Pretty uh, much. Uh, I think Animal Factory was in theater, the one with Willem Dafoe. Uh, in limited. It wasn't like a huge release, but yeah, you're right. It, it did get some theater, theatrical play, just not as much as uh, like American History X, which... It's a disturbing film for a whole nother reason. The curb stomp. <laughs> the curb stomp. Oof. Oh. I just got an idea, though, guys. What if um, Ty West made a movie about neo-Nazis filming a porno film in the 70s and call it American History X? Oh, my God. XXX. Wow, that was that was a long trip for that one, Ian. That was, that yeah, was but no, I, I want to see. I, I, I can, I can envision that. the poster, yeah. <laughs> And Robert Baum also says, Furlong has been a mess for a number of years. Yeah, unfortunately. And yeah. it's sad because I know what – I'm a huge Terminator 2 stan. You guys, if you've followed the movie, I love Terminator 2. It, it's like one of those, As does pretty much everyone else who's seen it. Yeah, it was that like a, that. Pretty much a universally loved movie. <laughs> Which is why it's sad that he wound up the way he did because it, he had so much potential. It did. I mean, he didn't have a whole lot of acting chops. Cameron was going for someone completely new that no one knew, which, again, was a gamble. And at least he had really strong actors around him to help push you through that movie. But you're like, OK, this kid's got potential. Let's see what he goes after. He gets some acting classes and that. And then, unfortunately, things just did not go well for him. And it's sad because, yeah, there was a lot of potential and there's a lot there. But it just it you know kind of took him a Cully Culkin turn um it you know and it's he's kind of righted the ship but he was in that crow movie um oh. Oh. <laughs> pretty bad too it was he he unfortunately I don't know who his agent was or whatnot but they needed they needed he needed a different agent because the and Boreanis was the villain in that one <laughs> hey yeah wow I yeah, I for, 
I forgot yeah, that I'd seen that movie. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> so it is unfortunate. I mean, I, I joked a bit. It is, you know, I shouldn't uh, joke about, uh, you know, his appearance in that in here, but it was just shocking for me because I hadn't actually seen a lot of his films after Terminator 2. I kind of lost because before the interwebs was huge. So I didn't quite follow, you know, he crop up here and there. But to see him in the film like this, and you're just like, that was a drastic look change for him. Yeah, um, I had that same reaction. I was because I I got used to him just being all thin as a cat, and I'm like, what happened to you? Yeah, it was it was just shocking to see see him like that, you know, because I was pulling for him quite a bit. So, uh, Ian, your final thought with with this film? I had forgotten. I was looking at my notes. Um, I forgot one thing they did was kind of unforgivable. They do a vine scene where the the main characters are attacked by these vines that come, you know, kind of like animated and twisting and, and holding them as the Evil Dead, team. yeah. A la Evil Dead. And now this, just a classic example of we've run out of ideas. <laughs> we want to pay homage to someone that we really respect. So you are just going to completely rip them off. As, yeah, I had a lot of fun with this movie up until almost exactly the halfway mark. And it's 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 one of the things I, I feel like the demon stuff and part of that is with the original because there's so much build up, the demon portion of it comes really late in the movie, like the last mm. half hour. This is about fifteen minutes before that. And at that point I was watching like, oh, they're really they're gonna do all this stuff now? How much longer how long is this whole stretch gonna be? And it's way too long, it's not interesting, it doesn't make any sense. And then it completely undermines all of the fun character stuff and the atmosphere and the music of that setup. So it's a big, it's a big letdown. I mean, yeah, it's fun to kind of make fun of it and everything, but you're like, well, this, it's feel like, yeah, it all just falls apart in that second half. It, again, yeah, it's it's they have a a better buildup than the first one, but the payoff is less than in the first one. The first one has a It's exactly payoff. flipped. Yeah. It, it is exactly flipped, as we've kind of implied this whole episode, and it is true. If you look at the... And that's why I kind of wanted to do these back-to-back. There's many other films we could have done, but I wanted to do them back-to-back because it shows... It shows the trend of horror remakes for the early 2000s, and even through today it always feels like they're getting filmmakers who kind of know the property but aren't necessarily fans of like they read you know it's similar to the way i felt with poltergeist uh, <laughs> with with poltergeist there was a lot of potential there of taking it in a new and an interesting direction but at one point they lost me when they're at a dinner party and someone makes a joke going oh well, it's not like this area is built on a indian burial ground <laughs> huh, that would be ridiculous and i'm just like sitting here going it's why i hate vacation there's very few modern films i hate and vacation is actually one that i just i think about it and and flames, flames on the side of my face, flames shooting, heaving. Anyway, um. well, I mean, but and I don't want to drag onto the whole tangent no. here, but I, I think one of the other problems is you get people who are working in the genre who are kind of too big of fans of mm. these properties from like 30, 40 years ago to the point where you should have a producer tapping someone on the shoulder, probably at the script stage, and saying, "We're not going to do." possessed vines coming to life because that's just <laughs> ripping off the evil dead 
you can love Sam Raimi, do something Raimi-esque, but right. we're not doing the vines. It's like that whole thing of like, oh, uh, I'm gonna my my, my sheriff's gonna be named uh, Sheriff Cunningham, and uh, we live he lives in Carpenterville, and uh, yeah, he's uh, don't go to the old uh, Voorhees house. Like, no, you can't do that. <laughs> it's a rule. I'm imposing it. Just be nice to be a little more subtle at times, you know. I guess. Mm -hmm. And in this one, I don't know. It just felt like someone uh, who had seen the film once, but is like, oh, this is a cult classic. And, and they, this was their approach, but they didn't either get it or or they just felt like they needed to amp it up just for shock value, if nothing else. And in the end, yeah, the demon part is the weakest part of Night of the Demons 2009. It it sounds yeah. weird, but it's true. I, I you get into that part and you're just like, OK. I, I checked I, I didn't check out but I could care less after that because the demons don't even really have their characters at least in the, the in the first one when they were possessed they had character to them they weren't just <laughs> or whatever you know they still had their kind of personality of sorts to them until the night went on and then they were you know as they they got more corrupted but I don't know uh it's it's a film that I, if i had the choice between the two I'd, I'd watch the original i guess more so than this one or if i could do like a super cut to where you could cut between the two and like do the the, the party stuff and then like when it's done you you, you flip over and you, you cut to the original that that'd be a really messed up movie but one last thing yeah the 1988 movie is far more progressive than this one because it's something we talked about last week. You've got <clears throat> the 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 virginal good girl who is you know kind of exploited mm -hmm. by the filmmaker in terms of that lingerie scene in the beginning, who makes it to the end. But also the black guy. There's no <laughs> there's, there's no, no black people in this new movie. Th there's no know, thank you, Ian. That's that was my thought. I'm watching this going. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking to the cast, I'm like, wow, this film really is, no, it is devoid of <laughs> some of the... I mean, you get Dex, and I don't know what, you know, race he is, but you look at the rest of that party, and it's like, it's all just a bunch of, you know, lily white kids. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying Compared that it's ironic the, yeah. that, you know, a movie that came out 25 oh. years before that, and it's, you know, 35 years, whatever, on was more in terms of in line of what we might want to see today. And, and not to keep yeah. things. Yeah. Oh, were you just going to say something, Cara? Or oh, no, I was just, yeah, yeah, no, I was agreeing that the older one was more progressive. This other, the newer one was kind of more, um, this is just like a, a certain people's club and nobody else is allowed to be in this movie. Yeah. 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 And, and that's, that's what got me with it too. It almost takes a step back in many ways. Um, of it well not just not just race but just types of people at least in in the 88 version you had a diverse group of characters too though they weren't all pretty much the same and in this one they're all pretty people <laughs> i mean you didn't you didn't have that in the first one there was a variety of 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 people in there you had was it stooge or whatever who was you know the overweight aggressive guy who you know is probably acting out like he does because you know he wasn't necessarily considered by cultural standards necessarily attractive 
uh, compared to you. Just people. described Edward Furlong in this movie. I, I know, I know. <laughs> okay, so maybe they had Eddie Furlong in here, but he's he just kind of drifts in and out of the film. Uh, but you know what I'm saying? Our cast of characters are all, as you mentioned, Ian. They're 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 dolled up. They're they're. We have lots of pretty people in this film, <laughs> like lots. Yeah, that that goes back to the kind of the CW thing that you mentioned yeah. earlier. The only justification I can think of for having a you know a not very ethnically diverse cast is maybe the filmmakers like what you want us <laughs> do you want us to actually actively like kill minorities on on screen? Yeah. Is that what you're hungry for? Is that your That's bloodlust? No, it, it's no okay if we have that, sexually but... fluid people killed, but it's when you know it's diverse people we don't want to do that. There is a demon orgy scene in here for whatever reason as well, which didn't really make much sense, and nor was it really well lit either. So it was like, wait, what's... that was my big problem with it. You couldn't see it was terrible, and you couldn't you could barely see it yeah, for no reason. <laughs> so we will wrap it up here, folks. Thank you so much for listening to this extended episode. Uh, had a lot of fun discussing it. Didn't had kind of fun watching this film. I wish it would have gone differently than the way it leads you into it. Um, and in the end, I guess this goes back to what we were saying last week, to where if a film f finishes strong, you can be a little more forgiving of it than if the film finishes weak when it starts off strong, because that's what you're left with. So uh, thank you so much for listening. And now this is as always where I give my folks a license to shill. So uh, Kara, license to shill for you. Shill away. I, I don't have anything current that I'm working on, but as always, I have tons of older reviews on my YouTube, um, which is also horror retrospective. So there's tons of, uh, I don't know, wacky movies, movies people really don't watch or forgot about. <laughs> hey, those are the best reviews because you get people going, maybe I should check that film out, you know, whether or not they like it or not, you know, bring a spotlight to them. So that's awesome. Uh, very cool stuff. Yes, check out her channel, folks. Awesome things. And uh, Ian, I know you got a couple things to plug. Uh, um, I'm Ian Simmons. I run Kicking the Seat, which you can find at kickseat.com. Uh, this weekend, I'm going to be doing five, yes, five podcasts, including wow. three live streams because I got problems. Uh, yeah, Friday night doing back-to-back -back, uh, live streams with Earth's Mightiest Critics, uh, talking about the new Obi-Wan series on Disney+, and also Top Gun Maverick. Saturday, I'm doing a live stream, a stream of Academia Giallo, a review of the movie Stage Fright. Mm. Uh, no, no, I'm doing that Sunday. Saturday, I'm doing a uh, review of Cronenberg's Videodrome for the 90 yes. Under 90 podcast. And then Sunday night, Mark and I are going to be back talking about Evil Bong 8. It's a series that started it all of us becoming podcast cohorts. Yes, that's why I always always hold a special place in my heart. But Mark, I'm not going to let you go without fulfilling your promise. At the beginning of the show, you said we were going to talk about what's going on next month. I, I was getting there. I was getting there. Okay, I just wanted to make sure because last week I'm not week forgetting. We... I'm not forgetting this time. I'm old. Okay. I'm not that old. I'm not forgetting this time. I wrote it down too, just so that I remember. Um, 
Yes, folks, uh, if you aren't catching it, we do have our schedule now for the Spoiler Room episodes coming up. You can check it out on Special Mark Productions Facebook page, which you should join absolutely if you enjoy this program at all, or our uh, Facebook page for the Spoiler Room specifically, the schedule there, or SpecialMarkProductions.com. We have the schedule for next month's show because I forgot to have it picked last week, but it's on our audio-only version. Kara took a stab, and she stabbed Pumpkinhead for our next horror of 1988. So prepare yourselves, folks. Get out your psychedelic whatevers because it's the Hendrix experience. Yes, that's right. We are doing Lance Hendrix films, and uh, that should be fun. You can check out the lineup there. We're, uh, we've got some interesting picks. I tried to pick a couple that don't normally get talked about and a couple that do. So uh, check it out of what we'll be live streaming and when. And, yeah, uh, if you're a filmmaker, you got one week left to submit to the Sawdust City Fright Fest. Uh, you can go and find us on Film Freeway and uh, submit there. And then if your film is picked, it'll show at the festival the second weekend in October in beautiful downtown historic Oshkosh at the time Community Theater. So thank you so much. Thank you to our listeners. Thank you. Great seeing you again. Infobomb, uh, always a pleasure. And now we'll just say a good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Night of the demons. Good night of the demons. There you go. Good night of the demons. (laughs) You have been listening to a Special Mark Productions production. If you're looking for even more spoiler room content, head on over to our patreon.com slash special mark productions site where you can join one of our reasonably priced tiers and get access to even more exclusive content. Speaking of getting access, head on over to specialmarkproductions.com and click our new merchandise store link, which will take you to our store where you can get some of that sweet, sweet spoiler room merchandise and wear the logo of your favorite podcast. There's also Final Cut and Special Mark Productions merchandise as well. All kinds of things for all kinds of tastes. We thank you once again, and remember, in the spoiler room, the conversation is fresh, but we do spoil the movies.